Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Today is Friday, September 20th, 2019. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, millions of people all across the world today march to demand action on climate change. We'll talk about what took place here in D.C. and other parts of the world. In D.C., this is called D.C. Statehood Week, demanding it become the 51st state. We'll talk with Congresswoman Elder Holmes Norton, who has made this her life mission for uh, the last few decades. Letitia Nixon, Jamel Moore's mother, sent a message thanking her supporters for the arrest of sexual predator Ed Buck. He, of course, will be charged in the death of two black gay men. We'll give you those details. Also, today, the House had a panel dealing with white nationalism and white supremacy. They invited several experts and Candace Owens. I'm going to explain for you why the Republican Party is a joke when it comes to confronting white supremacy by inviting a joke of a guess. It's time to bring the funk and roll about unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever. 
Millions of folks all across the world, whether it was Washington, D.C., it was in Nigeria, South Africa, Germany, were marching across the world when it came to the issue of climate change. Guys, roll that video. You're going to see it. Massive protests. Australia had their largest demonstration ever as a result of the issue of climate change. This video here is from Washington, D.C. Uh, of course, uh, we have uh, other video all across the world. Uh, and again, I said Australia had the largest. You had 100,000 folks who, who were in Berlin. Again, you had school children uh, who were marching and protesting uh, in Nigeria. Uh, that's South Africa as we speak, as they were um, uh, protesting as well. It is a fundamental issue. The United States used to be a leader in this, but with the election of Donald Trump, well, guess what? Uh, we have fallen back when it comes to the issue of climate change. Remember, we pulled out of the Paris Accord. Uh, folks are sounding the alarm to say, how do you deal with this environment? We're seeing massive amounts of plastic uh, in our oceans. We're seeing that uh, all, of course, we're seeing lots, losing lots of ice uh, all across the country that could very well uh, hurt us in a significant way. One million school children in New York City were excused today to participate in protest there as well. Our own Mustafa Santiago Ali was here in D.C., shot some of the video that we actually just showed you. And so here's some of the more video that he shot. because it's an intersectional movement, freedom for people, freedom for plants, all our brethren. That's the recipe for this liberation movement, and climate is a big piece of it. Hi, my name's Madison McCauley, and I'm from right here in Washington, D.C. The reason I'm down here right now is because the adults and all the politicians, they haven't been doing anything to help stop climate change. And most likely, climate change is the thing that, is the thing that we're going to have to be living with, and the thing that our, our children are going to be living with, their children if they're going to even be alive. So the reason that I'm down here and that we're all down here is because even though we're not adults, we still have a voice and we can still be heard. Hi, I'm Astrid Detterman. Um, I live here in D.C. I go to DCI with Madison. Um, I'm down here because I really love animals and I believe kids have a special voice and that they can really make a difference in the fight to save our planet. I have my own organization called Epic Animals that's all about getting 
getting kids to take legislative action to save the animals. So I really, I think I understand how kids can really make a difference and step up. Striking today is to share a different point of view about climate change and how the Bible actually supports climate change. And how Christians might have it wrong about climate change. And to give a different point of view of what climate change is all about. By the way, my name is Ronnie and I'm also from Reflective Ministries. All right, folks, again, joining us, Mustafa Santio Ali, former senior advisor for environmental justice at the EPA, also on the panel today. We, of course, had Dr. Chris Metzler, conservative analyst, Amisha Cross, political commentator, and Democratic strategist, Michael Brown, former vice chair, DNC Finance Committee. Mustafa, to have millions all around uh, the world, I mean, this is not a U.S. thing. I mean, the climate change deals with this entire Earth. Every country has to confront this. Yeah, you know, there are 4,600 different events that are happening across the planet over the next seven days. Folks are literally going to be shutting down governments also and cities uh, who have not been moving forward. So these young people, as folks have heard them say, is that if adults haven't been able to fully engage in the process, haven't been able to protect us, then we're going to interject our energy uh, our innovation, and we're going to hold people accountable, and we're also going to give solutions. But it is stunning to me to, to see people who sit here and go, oh, this is no big deal, it's a hoax, this is way too much attention uh, applied to it, as if they don't <clears throat> see what's really happening. I saw a story the other day uh, that said, here we are, we have three million fewer birds flying today than 50 years ago. When you look at what's happening with ice melting, mm -hmm. uh, when we are seeing it melt at a faster rate than we've ever seen, it's so like... Uh, how do you think that's happening? Exactly. It's from fossil fuels. You know, we literally have 7 million people across the planet who lose their lives every year from air pollution, which comes from the burning of fossil fuels, which are also warming up the planet. And disproportionately, it is our communities, African-American communities, Latino communities, who are the ones who are losing their lives because they're the ones that are closest, uh, you know, closest to these types of things. And we're the ones that get hit first and worst from the hurricanes, from the floods, all these various things that are tied into this. So as the uh, ice caps melt, um, as the oceans are getting warmer, we're going to see more and more of these types of things. And we, as folks of color, got to be thinking critically about these impacts that are going to happen and how when we have shrinking resources, whether it's water um, or all these other things that come into play, how are we going to position ourselves to better protect our communities and make sure that the resources are there that's going to be necessary? And what I really appreciate about the youth movement, from the Extinction Movement, from This Is Zero Hour, the Sunrise Movement, Fridays for the Future, is that they have not only an intergenerational movement, but they also honor equity in that space and diversity and make sure that voices of color are a part of driving the solutions that are necessary. Chris, hardest part is... Your party just flat out acts as if this is no big deal. Uh, Donald Trump uh, doesn't exist. He is he is destroying uh, the EPA. You, you go through the Department of Agriculture. You got scientists who are quitting. Who they're saying that this is a this is an administration uh, that does not believe any of this stuff is real. That this is just a figment of our imagination. Yeah. Well, the, the the difficulty here from the Republican standpoint is uh, <laughs> a number of things. Number one. There is, this is, this has turned so political that a number of Republicans are saying, okay, do I move forward and get votes by saying uh, this doesn't exist? And, and, and that's a whole part of the problem. Do I ignore the science? I mean, 
you know, I've heard a number of people in the party say, well, I'm not a scientist, so I can't really talk to that. That's right. not... Right. Shut the hell up. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, if, if, if the beginning of your statement is, I'm not a scientist... Then why are you talking? Mm, that's a good start to shut up and listen to a scientist. But the, here's, the, I think, the fundamental problem with the Republican Party. On this issue, their biggest argument against is, oh, my God, it costs too much. Um, if we no longer exist... Yeah, that's uh, to me. That's probably the greater cost. Right, right. right. Yeah, but the, the 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 whole issue of we're supposed to be the party who is concerned with science and facts, and I think on the climate change issue, mm. we really have to examine the facts. We have to examine the science. Other than that, we come across as extremely hypocritical um, on they, this issue. But, Misha, but they don't want to deal with the science. They don't want to deal with the science. Yeah. They don't want to deal with the reality of it. They want to deny it, and the reality is they are in bed with energy companies. Right. They're in bed with the fossil fuel industry. They don't want to force the change. You see the Trump administration uh, suing California, just got an injunction uh, to keep it from getting a waiver when it comes to instituting uh, controls, dealing with automakers. Whatever Detroit wants, they got no problem with. Well, you, ha was, you see what's happening all across the country. Uh, you see what happened when Pruitt led the EPA. Uh, pretty much they were just being run by the fossil fuel industry. And the hard part is, and I'll say this, these conservative white evangelicals who supposedly care about what God created, they clearly don't give a damn either. It, it is it's extremely political, but to your point, Roland, it is also very much an issue of funding. At this point, um, the question is more, do they really want to cut off the, the, the beast that feeds them, or do they want to continue taking those dollars? When you and your party are making a lot of money off of industry that continues to emit carbon, when you're making a lot of money off of these industries that are known for dumping unhealthy things in our water, why would you cut that off? It's not that they don't know the science. Climate science, even though it's getting a lot of traction today, has been around for the past 50 years, and not much of it has changed. The only thing that we have now is a society that is a lot more awakened to it because we see more of the disasters. We're seeing more of the natural, we're seeing more of the natural disasters stronger and more often. We're seeing animals die. We're actually seeing people die. We're watching this, and it's something that we've been warned about for the past 50, 60 years. Now is the time. We're I don't want to deal, deal with the political side of this, Michael, but the reality is this here. If you want to examine the political side, if you're the Republican Party, you are guaranteeing young people will not be voting for your party. Well, and that's the problem. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. guaranteeing. That's a problem we have because it is... In some a... places, we won't even be alive, too. But, 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 no, but, 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 this, but this is, for a, minute, a lot of these young folks, the number one issue. Right. The yeah. number one issue. And, and, and in order to win re-election in 2020, we have to make sure that, from a generational standpoint, the, the those generations are going to show up and vote. So I, I, I'm not sure about the political calculus here. I, I don't think it's wise. Mike, at the end of the day, for them, it's about money. When you hear them say, why should we be spending trillions of dollars, yet this is the same party that has spent $28 billion for farmers uh, as opposed to the $12 billion the Obama folks spent uh, in the bailout for farmers for something that t Trump created because of his whole tariff deal. They got no problem giving farmers about 30 billion bucks, but, oh no, we shouldn't discuss this whole climate, this climate change thing because it's not real. Well, the calculus they're measuring, and by the, uh, Mr. Ali, good job on, on the footage, even though Roland was talking about you about the angle. <laughs> is, did yes, you... folks, if you shoot video, <laughs> please shoot horizontal. Please shoot horizontal so Sorry, it appeals the whole television that, screen, <laughs> not vertical. Right. I've been giving you all those lessons for months, and I gave Santiago another lesson. Michael, but go ahead. You, but if you notice, 
also the, the diversity of that crowd. Sometimes in these movements, um, whether it's uh, um, criminal, criminal justice reform, they try to paint it as a black and brown right. issue. It's going to be very difficult to do this with climate change, with the diversity of that crowd, young people all over the world. And their calculus is the kind of folks that vote for us, being the GOP, we don't need young folks. They don't vote anyway. Their percentages are really low. Who cares what they think? That's what they're thinking. That's what they're hoping. But they're going to lose voters. You're going to lose voters in the Midwest who are dealing with these 500-year uh, and 1,000-year floods that are going on. 500-year, <clears throat> 1,000-year floods happen every five years. Exactly. <laughs> that kind of don't go together. 500-year exactly. flood, not every five years. Yep. And, and you also have We Vote Next, which is a big yes. youth movement as well, letting people know that they're going to utilize their, their civic power right. in this process. And in the foreign part, when people are talking about the money doesn't exist to address this, that's incorrect. We spend hundreds of billions of dollars on these natural disasters that continue to happen time and time again, and we give the fossil fuel industry tens of billions of dollars in subsidies. So we should be I'm subsidizing... I'm sorry, did you say welfare? <laughs> exactly. Corporate welfare. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. That's See, I, I, I don't call them subsidies. I call them corporate welfare. <laughs> there it is. They call, so it's called one to hand out. One to, poor folks want to check, they want to check. Exactly. Yes, it's called welfare. Uh, Mustafa, great job. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, going to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk D.C. statehood. Uh, and also, uh, at the House today, they had a hearing dealing with the issue of white nationalism and white supremacy. And they experts there. And the one black person who was there was not an expert. I'm going to break it down for you. Trust me, Candace Owens and all your imps, this ain't going to go well. Next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roland Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, all right, folks, you've heard me talk a lot about MarijuanaStock.org because I want to keep you informed of investment opportunities that make sense. We've all watched the growth of the cannabis industry. A recent report by New Frontier Data estimates the global cannabis market at more than $340 billion. We know that marijuana legalization is sweeping the country state by state. We also know that marijuana has a good cousin, the hemp plant, with a much higher concentration of CBD. That means hemp gives you all the medical benefits of marijuana without getting you high. Until recently, hip farming was practically illegal in the United States and heavily regulated by the DEA. However, that all changed with the 2018 Farm Bill, creating one of the largest commodities worldwide. They need land to grow all the plants, and that's where our friends at 420 Real Estate come in. Their business model is pretty simple. They buy land that supports hemp CBD grow operations and lease it to licensed high-paying tenants. That's right, they are hemp CBD landlords, and you can get in on the action. Now, 420 Real Estate is given something special for the Roller Martin Unfiltered family. Originally, the minimum investment was 500 bucks. You can now get in as little as 200 bucks. This is a crowdfunding campaign going from $200 up to $10,000. Again, this is a $340 billion global industry that is still growing. You can participate with as little as $200. To invest, go to MarijuanaStock.org. This is MarijuanaStock.org. Get in the game and get in the game now. 
All right, folks, this week in Washington, D.C. is called D.C. Statehood Week. Uh, and uh, folks in Washington, D.C. have been on Capitol Hill pushing them to address the issue. Now, today, uh, excuse me, this week, House Democrats held the first hearing on D.C. statehood in 25 years. The bill, the Washington, D.C. Admission Act, was introduced by Democratic delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton. She, of course, is D.C.'s non-voting representative. Uh, here's an excerpt from D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser's testimony before Congress. And I'm honored to be here today to ask Congress to act upon the request of my residents to admit Washington, D.C. to join the United States of America as the 51st state. I want to be clear, I'm not here to talk about one person, but about 702,000 Americans who deserve full representation in this house. I was born in Washington, D.C., and generations of my family, through no choice of our own, have been denied the fundamental right promised to all Americans, the right to full representation in the Congress guaranteed by statehood. Over the years, there have been a lot of arguments against statehood. You're too small, they say, but we're bigger by population than two states, bigger than all states but Oklahoma at the time they were <laughs> admitted to the union. And what's more, we pay more federal taxes per capita than any state, and we pay more federal taxes total than 22 states. You're badly governed, they say. In fact, we do a better job than most states. We have a budget of $15.5 billion, which we have balanced 24 times in the last 24 years. And we already do the things that states do. We operate our own schools. We manage state Medicaid programs. We receive federal block grants. Like states, we issue driver's licenses, license plates, and birth and death certificates. We regulate banks and insurance companies, operate our state-based affordable care marketplace, and we enforce environmental regulations. For the purposes of thousands of federal laws, we act as a state and we do it well. The Constitution forbids it, they say. That one is simply false, as constitutional experts have repeatedly proclaimed. Or D.C. can't be a state because the Constitution requires a federal district. The Constitution sets a maximum size of 10 miles squared for the federal district, but it does not prescribe a minimum size to qualify for a federal district or statehood. I'm sure we'll hear some of that again this time, but let's face it. These are bad faith arguments by people who really oppose statehood because they think it will mean two Democratic senators. The fact is, denying American citizens a vote in this body that taxes them goes against the very founding premise of this nation. And yes, it is true that we are more brown and more liberal than some of you, but denying statehood would be unfair no matter who was affected. It would be unfair if we were conservatives from a rural district built around agriculture or an industrial city in the heartland. This is America, and Americans are entitled to equal protection under the law, and that's why we are demanding statehood. It should not matter what our politics are. All right, folks, joining us right now is Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. Glad to have you back on Rollerbot Unfiltered. Uh, I'm going to start this way. Go to my iPad, please. This is a headline from May 2010 in Newsweek. Is Ohio the most corrupt state? 
I'm starting that way because this week Republicans were trashing D.C. saying, oh, y'all can't be your own state because you can't handle it because you're too corrupt. <laughs> Yet, if we want to, um, I would dare say, if you had to rank probably the three most corrupt states, hmm, Louisiana, Illinois, Ohio. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so I had to remind Jim Jordan, who is the... From Ohio. From Ohio, who is a ranking member of, as they spoke, uh, elected members of their uh, state government being pro prosecuted for corruption. So who is he to, well, what we say, called paint the... Paint, uh, turn the kettle black? In fact, what? if you go to my iPad while we're <laughs> talking, is this is from the uh, Cleveland.com. Corruption in Northeast Ohio, the t this 21st century Rose Gallery violated the public's trust. Uh, all of these folks right here, you see, all uh, got hit with corruption in Ohio, Jim <laughs> Jordan. So it doesn't lie in his mouth to speak against democracy, and that's all we're asking for, <laughs> for representation for D.C. or any place else. Uh, those are the kinds of roadmap of props, really, that they are throwing up. But, Roland, let me, let, let me assure everyone, because we now have two historic back-to-back uh, -back assurances. First, we had a historic hearing. First time we've ever had that hearing. Today, we got 218 votes, enough to pass. H.R. 51, the D.C. statehood bill, we're coming. And when we get it passed in the House, Roland, we'll be more than halfway there. So watch out for us. Now, you were... D.C. was close a few years ago, am I correct, of getting um, representation. Uh, I think they were uh, trying to add uh, a person in Utah. Yes. And then... what? what uh, there we went uh, for a House vote. It would right. not have been a full Senate vote. And actually, we got that bill passed through the House and the Senate with a House vote for Utah, which had just missed getting one in the last census, and a House vote for D.C. We would have that vote now be on our way to statehood, except that the National Rifle Association attached what we call a rider, an amendment that would have wiped out every single gun safety law in the District of Columbia. We had to leave that vote on the table. This time, we're picking it up and going for the Senate. How offensive is it to essentially live where D.C. operates or the federal government operates as D.C.'s mama and daddy, that you have to go ask them for permission. And then, of course, you've had to fight Republicans and Democrats who have toyed with the District of Columbia. I remember when uh, they had uh, the voucher program, Republicans put that in, and then Obama pulled it out. Then they played around with <laughs> abortion. They play. I mean, it's like you got folks who want to play ping pong with D.C. when they feel like slapping folks around. Yeah, that, that has been our fate. Uh, but it's all over now. We, are, we control the House. We're, and they have put in what we call riders, must have been six or seven riders. Uh, since January, we were able to get all of them out. That's why it has been so important for us to establish control, because Democrats don't operate that way. Uh, and then we go into the Senate, which is still controlled by the Republicans. But, Roland, you will look and see that many of them are in jeopardy. That's why we're not much worried about 2020, because we're going to do much better that, there. And if we capture the Senate, look what we'll have. We will have D.C. statehood in the House and on our way to getting it in the Senate.
Well, I think I think uh, it's certainly overdue, uh, and of course, to have uh, the mayor cut right to the chase and put race on the table, not dancing around it. Yeah, she put it on the table because it's always been there. Uh, but it's not going to be anything they can do about race now. And the fact is, I don't know what they're going to do about the fact that for most of its 218 years, most of those years, white people have been the majority in D.C. In those years, we all remember them. In the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, blacks... Uh, it was called they, Chocolate City. Yeah, Chocolate City and blacks became predominant in many large cities. But guess what? D.C., once again, has more white people than black people. What you gonna do for us now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, Congress, we to keep up the fight. Uh, we'll certainly keep uh, covering the story. D.C. deserves statehood. Uh, and uh, it'll be nice if uh, Congress would actually pay attention. And they should get over this whole issue of potentially having two black United States senators. Because there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, so white states in this country <laughs> that got no chance of electing a person of color as United and state senators, so they'll deal with it. <laughs> and we will. All right, Congressman, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. <laughs> Folks, let's go to California where Jasmine Koenig, who has been championing for Jamel Moore's murder uh, being brought to justice, has finally won. Letitia Nixon, Jamel Moore's mother, is so grateful for everyone's support that she sent Jasmine this video to release to the press. Don't forget, remember, Ed Buck, of course, was picked up uh, and charged for the over, uh, the, uh, giving drugs to one man for an overdose. Now, on the federal level, they're going to charge him for the deaths of two black gay men who died in his apartment. This is the video of Jamel Moore's mother. Yeah, my name is Letitia Nixon. I am Jamel Moore's mom. I am happy. I, I knew that this day was going to come um, when we were going to get justice for my son. It's all I ever wanted from the beginning was for Jackie Lacey to do her job. That's all. I, I didn't ask for no special favors. I just asked for her to do her job. That was it. Everything was in front of her. We tried to deliver ballots. They treated us like we were criminals. Jackie Lacey wouldn't let us in the office, nothing. Um, but nonetheless, I'm just so grateful that my team did not give up and we kept pressing, we kept pressing. Jasmine Canick and all the rest of my team, my lawyers, Hussein, Nana, and everybody just kept pushing. I just want to thank everybody who stood with us. Thank you so much. We're so grateful. Um, I'm just excited. And we're all going to get the justice we deserve. Thank you all. Uh, Jackie Lacey is the DA there in L.A. And I would dare say, Amisha, when she runs a re-election, it's going to be more people lined up to run against her than if Popeye's had uh, uh, chicken sandwiches <laughs> right now. Uh, because she's been awful. And she, black people have been really upset her office didn't do a damn thing. When it came. He is only being charged on the federal level mm -hmm. because her office would not prosecute him for the de for those deaths of those two black men. And this, and this is a black female DA. This case is beyond me. Um, first and foremost, because families of victims, those who, of course, those who died, but also those who came near death, because we don't hear about those often. But there were 20 men who almost died from these from these overdoses. And the families have been petitioning. They have been protesting. They have gone to her over and over and over again, and she has completely ignored him, ignored them. And I think that it, it speaks to a greater issue here. Um, a lot of people have pointed to the fact that he was a heavy Democratic donor, but it's more than that. It is the fact that there are a lot of folks, and even some who also happen to be Democrats, who honestly don't care when the victims are homeless, indigent, gay black men, period. If those victims had have been people of a higher profile, we would have seen action swifter. We did not see it in this case, and it frustrates me that two men literally died and no one cared. 
first of all, we didn't even hear it in the news until years after it happened after the first one. And the second guy died, and it broke news six months later. It stayed on the news for about 30 minutes. Nobody talked about it ever again. Allowed this guy to go ahead and keep, you know, tracing guys, following guys, tricking them into coming to his place, and still injecting them with drugs. He's been doing this for years. It's been an open secret in West Hollywood for a very long time. She's, all, she's a part of this issue in terms of not actually, you know, pursuing justice, but there are also a lot of other individuals over the years who have helped him out by ignoring the fact that he's going around West Hollywood and literally taking advantage of a very disadvantaged community. Uh, Michael, we were one of the few shows nationally to really focus on this. Uh, very, very few. And again, uh, this, this, this was real. And to have authorities act as if one guy dies, no real investigation. Second guy dies, no real investigation. Third person commits, uh, I mean, ODs. Now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I guess we better jump on this whole thing. Well, first, co-sign with what my sister said to my left, um, but point of uh, personal privilege. Uh, as the former chair of the Statehood Self-Determination Committee when I was on the D.C. City Council. I want to congratulate um, our, our warrior on the hill, as we call her, uh, for moving this ball forward as we try to start the statehood movement. And she's right. This fight has been going on for quite some time. Every argument has been thrown at us. And now we're making some progress. But I think we also have to remember history. Uh, in the early 90s, when Clinton was president, we had the Democratic House and Democratic Senate and did nothing in that first term. Same with Obama. Obama presidency, Senate, and Democratic House, and did nothing. Hopefully, we'll learn from our mistakes and not say, oh, we can take care of it later. This is a first-tier priority issue. I'm proud of our warrior on the Hill. Chris? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I agree with, with your analysis here, and part of the problem with the DA was, in fact, that she received campaign contributions from him. And so, from her perspective, it's like, okay, so do I do justice or do I take campaign uh, contributions? That's part of the issue, but I think you're right. The larger issue is who else was complicit in this? That's the larger issue. We can talk about the fact that he was a big Democratic donor. Okay, fine, we can talk about that. But that's the, it, it is a larger issue, and it is about the fact that, as you correctly indicated, uh, you know, you have this marginalized uh, population and who he's free to take advantage of because nobody cares. And that, that's exactly, I think, what happened in this case. And again, because you get a black DA there is one thing, but at least one who pays attention. Yeah. Jackie Lacey has been awful. Oh, she's awful. been horrible. And for her not to prosecute this guy, first time, second time, and the only reason... The only reason he's being charged is on a federal, federal level. level. She's not now they got her hands. Job. Right. She's out of her hands. No All right, folks. Uh, today, New England, they have cut Antonio Brown, wide receiver uh, for the New England Patriots. Uh, <laughs> I said this when he did the video of John Gruden and recorded the phone call, uh, that of the list of dumbass athletes, <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Brown is at the top of that list. You got that right. Antonio yeah. Brown has now cemented himself as the dumbest ass athlete ever. Because <laughs> how is it that, first of all, a federal lawsuit is filed against you alleging sexual assault? But it's a federal lawsuit. She said this took place in 2017, 2018. She didn't go to the cops, okay? I don't understand why she didn't go to the cops, because if it was rape, statute of limitations still applies. Right. Second uh, allegation comes out in Pittsburgh, okay? The Pittsburgh DA says they will investigate. Then the Pittsburgh DA comes out and says, statute of limitations, 
We can't investigate. So essentially, on the second allegation, Antonio Brown is in the clear. Okay? Meaning there are no criminal investigations. The first lawsuit was a federal civil lawsuit. This dumbass, <laughs> and I'm using dumbass for a very good reason. This dumbass decides to send a text message <laughs> to the second accuser. Let me repeat that. He sends a text message including a photo of the woman's family. Hmm. Now, you know. Now, here's what's so crazy. His lawyer said, don't contact your accusers. <laughs> Criminal Justice 101. Yeah, yeah. Let me say hey. it again. His lawyer said, don't contact your accusers. Dumbass sends a text message. For the second day in a row, Bill Belichick gets hit with a ton of questions. He walks out of the news conference. You know, he went to his office and was like, cut his ass. But his was crazy. Antonio Brown literally lasted longer with the Patriots than Anthony Scaramucci did working for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy, y'all. <laughs> This is a guy, let me help y'all out, okay? This is a guy who had 30 million guaranteed from the Raiders. <laughs> Lost his damn mind. Lost his damn mind, okay? Lost his mind. Got himself cut. Then goes to the Patriots, gets signed within 48 hours. Gets 9 million guaranteed. Now, here's the problem, okay? The Patriots gave him the first five of the nine million on Monday, but he ain't even met the full deadline. These were the text messages. Sports Illustrated posted this. He actually sent her this text. Go, go, to, go to my iPad. Really sad you would make a bullshit story to the world. Thought you had more integrity and respect for yourself. Must be really hard times for to make up some stuff for money. Super sad. This the girl who unfinished my painting in my room from, from something. Super broke girl with a lot of kids. Such a shame. Uh, this her in text Eric B's. Let's look up her background history. See how broke this girl is from. Basically cried, broke for opportunities. I let paint my room. Couldn't finish. I flew out now to hear this so sad. Okay, here's the first thing, y'all. Um, there was no punctuation in that <laughs> I mean, that wasn't a period, a it's comma, a on question mark, an exclamation run point. Run on sentence. But, I mean, nothing, y'all. Nothing. Nothing. But dumb. Y'all, money gone. Uh-huh. Talk about blowing 30 million. You ain't getting that 30 million back. Nope. I doubt a team signs him this year. I would be shocked. I'll be shocked if he gets signed next year because, see, when the Patriots say, I mean, the only other team that's likely to sign a head case is the sorry-ass Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. They are known for signing head cases. I'm okay. Scared. I'm scared you're going to say my team, but thank you for saying Oh, hell no, nah, hell no, nah, because you got to have a quarterback to throw it to. Right. Uh, Y'all ain't got no quarterback. Right. But how dumb can you be? Chris, you're a lawyer. <laughs> if, you, if you tell a client, don't text the accusers, and the DA says, 
we will not be investigating this case. Your dumb ass sent a text to the woman. Yeah, see... I, with a photo of her family. Yeah, at that point, I'm, I'm done with you as a lawyer because you a dumbass. Not only are you a dumbass, bruh... Oh, hold on, my bad. He sent her a text message with four other phone numbers on it. So it was a group text. Oh, my God. And he encouraged others in the group to investigate the woman. Lord, Lord. And See, <laughs> th this is the kind of stuff that you look at brothers and you're like, really? You cannot be that stupid. But apparently, he is. He should have let it go. At the point Just when he's no go. longer going to be investigated, that means let you sit down, go. you get ready for this season, and you call it quits. Yeah. You, you, well, why Keep are it you moving. texting? Move on. Why are you texting? Now, you, you talking about broke. You, you the one now broke. Hold up, Michael. He gets cuts, cut by the Patriots. Yesterday, Nike dropped him. The helmet deal he had after he acted oh, yeah, fool in Oakland, deal. trying to wear a 10-year-old helmet, yeah. he lost, he couldn't do that. So he got a new helmet, they signed him to the helmet deal, they dropped him. So now you ain't got no team, no guaranteed money, lost Nike and the helmet deal. Bro, I sure hope you save your money. Yes, there ain't nothing coming in real soon. <laughs> he he got the sense to text. N no sense to text. I'm sure he ain't got no sense I, I, to, to, to save that money. That's either. about the dumbest. I... Mr. Mr. Potato Head Award. <laughs> there you go. It just makes you wonder what his end goal was. Because if you wanted to get to the Patriots, you want to get to this team that consistently goes to the Super Bowl, cool, whatever. He was willing to burn money to get there. But to get there and to not be able to actually play because of your own doing, it wasn't that Bill Belichick didn't want you. He's time and time again, he was going to ride that thing on out. But he made it extremely difficult. And sent the text, now mind you, sent the text on Monday, y'all, this was Antonio Brown yesterday. Uh, I played for Tom, uh, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. You know, I got a lot of the offense to learn and catch up. Uh, but I'm excited and grateful to be here and uh, be a part of these guys. Antonio, what's, what's it been like been? working with Tom? It's been a tremendous honor. Uh, he's been here a long time, a lot of details. Uh, a lot of work ethic. Uh, great guy to be around and just inspire everyone here. What is the process here? been to kind of get used to everything as everything's going on in your life? Well, it's football. You know, I'm grateful to play football. Every time you walk in the doors here, you know, uh, be your best for the team. So every time I walk in here, I just want to make sure that I'm preparing to uh, keep these guys in my bed. Antonio, what have you heard question, from the league, if anything, about your availability before? I appreciate that question. You know, uh, I'm just here to just focus on ball and uh, look forward to uh, getting out there in the home stadium and uh, being with the team. Thanks, everyone. Mm, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, not going to happen. Why? Oh, because you're cut. You're gone. Okay. Y'all, he said, uh, he's, and, and then, of course, he did have, um, so let me show you a series of tweets. Um, first of all, this was set on April, uh, September 10th, 2019. Welcome to England. Grand opening, grand closing. Um, <laughs> this was what he tweeted two hours ago. Sometimes people try to destroy you precisely because they recognize your power. Not because they don't see it, but because they see it and they don't want it to exist. It, it, really? And you <laughs> you use a photo of Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. There you okay. Go. All right. And so then, y'all, um, he sent this out. Thanks for the opportunity. Appreciate Patriots. Well, at least it was grammatically correct. Tweet right there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, let's see here. Just one more. If I'm lying, then I'm flying. Okay. Mm. All right. But you grounded right now. <laughs> and, and then he sent another photo. Bill Belichick, thank you. All right. No job.
Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just, all, all I'm saying, y'all, you, like, like, I don't, it, 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 there are things that really drive me crazy. And what drives me crazy is when you are one, you're in the top, you're not even in the top 1%. You're literally in the top 0.001, whatever you want to come up with number of athletes. Right. There is no other way. Now, maybe if he wants to start a tech company, canvas company, whatever the hell, where you're going to have an opportunity to make $30 million mm -hmm. playing the field. You blown that. Yeah, yeah, actually, it's, you, it's, you blown more because you lost all the endorsement deals. Yeah. And it's just so illogical. And, and I would hope that young athletes need to understand that you can have crazy talent, but there's even a line when you got crazy talent. Well, and the, the, the question becomes, who's advising him? Apparently nobody. Um, or he's not taking the advice. And that's the thing that young athletes have to understand. You, you got to know the rules of the game. You have to know how this works. I don't care if you got a $100 million contract. The issue is the morality clause. And that morality clause, you lose everything, period. End of discussion. I mean, I don't think for us, if he, I fundamentally believe if he did not send that text message, well, and that's he, he is not cut. Right. He would have been absolutely fine. He he was actually scheduled to play in the next game. Yeah, but, but that... it is very confusing to me that this was his move. Again, especially after those, he was never actually there wasn't going to be a case pursued. Right. So it didn't make sense to send the text message. It would have made sense even if it was. Get with your boys. Not pop a bottle of crystal. Talk your thing. Right. Talk, talk trash among your group. Right. But you don't send you her don't, a series of text message. messages, Michael with photos of her family and her children. And look, we're, even all the crazy talent you've talked about, arguably, I don't even know if it's arguable, maybe Julio Jones, whatever, arguably the best receiver in the league. No, the, DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, fair enough. Not, yeah, okay, Houston, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I figured you say that. I don't have, <laughs> we don't have one of those. But, you know, the black coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers said, and everybody said, oh, man, it must be just personality, you're jealous. He said, I don't want to coach this clown. And everybody said, well, if it's not a brother standing up for him, maybe there is some issues. But right. no, nobody bought it. Gruden took him. We saw the drama with the helmet. Didn't want to show up. Then finally did. And then we obviously saw what happened Yeah, he has today. some personality issues that are very real. And he doesn't take ownership of any of his own behavior. Right. And that's another problem. I don't know if this He's is... also not technically a young athlete. To even get the deals that he did, right. when you're in your 30s, you're rounding out your time anyway, I don't know for the most part. I don't know if it's CTE. I don't know what the hell it uh -huh. is. But all I'm saying is... Antonio Brown, you done screwed up. Right, Simple as that. All right, I got to go to a break. When we come back, I shall deconstruct today's hearing <laughs> on Capitol Hill, <laughs> dealing with white nationalism and white supremacy. <laughs> and if you are a Republican and you are Candace Owens, you might want to tune in next. <laughs> back on Roller Martin Unfiltered in a moment. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com.
right, folks, November 7th through 11th, uh, we're going to be in Los Cabos, Mexico, for the Life Lux Jazz, the second annual Life Lux Jazz Experience. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, we're going to have, of course, great music over four days, golf and spa. We're going to sit here, and, man, you talk about food, uh, you talk about uh, libations, also known as liquor. Uh, it's going to be loads of fun. So while people are freezing in the Northeast, let's go hang out in Mexico. I'm going to be doing Roller Martin Unfiltered from there that Thursday and Friday in front of a studio audience. Y'all can all come join us. Uh, so come hang out with me and so many others. It's going to be absolutely great, of course. Uh, we're going to be uh, at uh, Day, Club, uh, Los, uh, Day Club Los Cabos, nestled on the Sea of Cortez. Uh, they're in Los Cabos. The great people we got lined up for you folks. Amazing. Uh, of course, comedian and actor Mark Curry. Of course, Gerald Albright, my frat brother, Alex Bunyong, Raul Madan, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band. Going to have the Gospel Experience with Donnie McClurkin, Shalea, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, Ernest Quarles. Uh, some new hotels have opened up. For more information, go to lifeluxjazz.com. That's lifeluxjazz.com. L-I-F-E-L-U-X-E-J-A-Z-Z.com. Uh, you want to book it now, of course, to get your package, but also you want to have a much cheaper uh, airfare as well. And so, trust me, it's going to be an absolute fun time. I cannot wait to go, and trust me, you want to do it as well. LifeLuxJazz.com. Where can you find an AFSCME member? The answer is everywhere our communities need us. More than one million AFSCME members bring their passion for public service to the work they do every day. We take care of people in hospitals, nursing homes, mental health facilities, and in their own homes. We promote public health and ensure public safety. We provide roads and clean water to keep our cities and towns moving. We work in early childhood education, in public schools, in colleges and universities, and in libraries to educate our future generations. We drive students to school and keep them fed and safe. We design, build, and maintain the infrastructure we all depend on every day. When tough times hit, we help people get back on their feet with job training, housing, meals, childcare, and more. We provide technical and clerical support to make sure systems run smoothly. We're on the front lines of combating the opioid epidemic. We are employees of state, county, and municipal governments, just like it says in our union's name. Many of us also work for the federal government and for private companies that provide public services. We are proud of the work we do, and we believe that all workers engaged in public service deserve respect. That's why we come together to negotiate for strong contracts, to set the standards for our pay, benefits, and working conditions, and to make sure we have the tools and resources to do our jobs. We fight for justice in the workplace, in our communities, and across our nation. We stand for excellence in public service every day. We're the union that never quits. We are AFSCME. All right, folks, we certainly want to thank Ashley for being one of the partners here at Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, uh, let's do the deconstruction of the GOP and, of course, the mouthpiece, Candace Owens. Today on Capitol Hill, 
that was a hearing that was titled House Oversight Joint Subcommittee Hearing on Confronting White Supremacy. They had three experts and one black person. When I say experts, they actually had real experts on the subject of white supremacy and white nationalism. Now, questions were asked by Republicans and Democrats of the four witnesses. Now, what I'm unpacking right here, and here's a piece, and let's just be real clear. Y'all remember what I said the other day about the uh, revolt summit that took place, why I said it makes no sense to have uh, a Candace Owens or Katrina Pearson on that panel. Why? Because they're not real black conservatives. Let me be real clear. They're not real black conservatives. I know real black conservatives, okay? Chris Metzler, real black conservative. Shermichael Singleton, real black conservative. Elroy Saylor, Angela Saylor, K. Nicole Gang, K. K. Cole James, Derek Holly, uh, Robert uh, Pignon. I can go on and on and on. I can name you numerous folks who I know personally, okay, who are real black conservatives. These two, they're not. You know what they are? Charlatans. They're frauds. What they desire is attention. So what they do is they say crazy, provocative things solely for the purpose of getting that attention. Go to my iPad. Here's a perfect example, okay? I typed in House Panel on White Supremacy. These are the two headlines. You all see the two headlines? One from, one from uh, Yahoo News, one from The Hill. Candace Owens, the House Panel, white supremacy and white nationalism is not a problem. The Hill, Candace Owens tells Congress, white nationalism, not a problem for minorities in the U.S. If you actually click on the, the Hill story, what you will see is you will see an article that only quotes Candace Owens. That, folks, is by design. That's exactly what she wants. What she desires is attention. She wants folks talking about her. It's a money grab. It's all about how can I build my following and convince these dumb, illiterate conservatives to keep throwing money at me and I can get paid? Now, Mark Lamont Hill was tweeting today, critical of something that she said, and this gentleman, Adam Badawi, tweeted back. Go to my iPad, please. This is what he said. I was there. She wasn't mentioned on the list of witnesses beforehand, nor was she receiving questions because she li has literally no expertise uh, on the subject. Later in the hearing, Republicans started ceding their time to her to let her spout. You, do y'all hear me? So you had three real experts. What this guy's saying is they purposely kept her name off of the list. Why? Because the Republicans did not want today's hearing to be about white nationalism or white supremacy. What they desired is for Candace to come there, be a train wreck, completely take the focus off of the issue, to attack Democrats, and bring up all these other issues for her that are more important than in black America. If you want to laugh, here's her opening statement. Thank you, Chairman, for the opportunity to testify. Um, I just I want to testify just as a, a black American today. And uh, I want to first start off by saying that white supremacy is indeed real. Uh, but despite the media's obsessive coverage of... Yeah. Matter of fact, roll that back. Roll that back. Y'all, she starts off by saying, 
I'm here as a black person. So essentially what she's saying is, hell, if we're going to discuss white nationalism and white supremacy, anybody black can come here and testify. You don't actually have to have any expertise to actually do that. No. Here are the people who were invited. First of all, one panelist is Kathleen Ballou, an expert from Stanford University. Another one is Joshua Getzler from Georgetown University. Katrina Mulligan, National Security and International Policy at the Center for American Progress. The fourth one is Candace Owen, college dropout. Play it again. You're going to hear her say what her expertise is on this subject. Thank you, Chairman, for the opportunity to testify. Um, I just I want to testify just as a, a black American today. And uh, I want to first start off by saying that white supremacy is indeed real. Uh, but despite the media's obsessive coverage of it, it represents an isolated, uncoordinated, and fringe occurrence uh, within America. It's a fringe occurrence that is being used, in my opinion, by Democrats to scare Americans into giving up their votes to a party that can no longer win based on simple ideas, which is why we're seeing so many of these hearings back to back, despite other threats that are facing this nation. I want to reiterate that point. Okay, yeah, it's an issue, but it's really not among the top issues. This is college dropout Candace Owens providing expert testimony on white nationalism and white supremacy. This, folks, is a hearing that took place in July where Christopher Ray, the director of the Federal Bureau for Investigation, testified about the serious threat about white nationalism and white supremacy in the United States. Press play. Between the years 2000 and 2016, the white supremacists were responsible for more homicides than any other domestic extremism movement. Now, I, I see the distinction you're making, homegrown versus domestic. But l let me ask you, can you quantify either one of them for us? Well, I, in terms of number of arrests, we have, uh, through the uh, third quarter of this fiscal year, uh, had about give or take 100 arrests in the international terrorism side, which includes the homegrown violent extremism. This year. This year. But we've also had just about the same number, again, don't quote me to the exact digit, uh, on the domestic terrorism side. And I will say that a uh, majority of the um, domestic terrorism uh, cases that we've investigated uh, are motivated by some version of what you might call white supremacist violence, but it includes other things as well. I, I think the greatest terrorist threat to the homeland is the homegrown violent extremist. I will say that These we would be take foreign, domestic, in, foreign which, inspired, which is the hottest inspired violence. That does not mean, by any stretch of the imagination, that we don't take domestic terrorism, including hate crime committed on behalf of some kind of white supremacist ideology, extremely seriously. Okay, so I want to go back to the nonsense Candace was spewing. And I want y'all to pick up where we left off because I want to put this in proper perspective for you. That was the director of the FBI testifying to the Senate in July of this year. Go ahead and play Clueless Candace. ...is real, but neither of these ideologies are real in this room. They have become mechanisms for the left to continue to call these hearings and to distract from much bigger issues that are facing this country and which threaten minorities. Much bigger... 
much bigger issues. Here is the FBI director, Christopher Wray, in March, laying out the persistent and pervasive threat of white nationalism and white supremacy in the United States. How would you describe the danger to public safety that is posed by white supremacist extremism? Is it changing in its qualities or in the kinds of resources that the FBI and other law enforcement agencies need to respond? And secondly, the second part of that question, your budget request does not mention white supremacist <coughs> extremism at all. How much funding and how many employees are dedicated to investigating white nationalists and white supremacist extremists in your fiscal year 2020 budget? So what is the danger to the country and what do you need to fight it? Well, uh, the danger, I think, uh, of white supremacist uh, violent extremism or any other kind of violent extremism um, is, of course, significant. Uh, we assess that it's a persistent, uh, pervasive threat. Uh, we tackle it both through our joint terrorism task forces on the domestic terrorism side, as well as through our civil rights program on the criminal side through uh, hate crime enforcement. Um, I think as, as to whether I would see any significant difference or trend there, I think, or whether it's changing, I think I would say in general domestic terrorism in this country uh, has changed in the sense that it's less, uh, less structured, less organized, fewer groups, more uh, uncoordinated um, one-off individuals as opposed to some structured hierarchy. Uh, and that presents uh, its own share of challenges. Now, you might say, well, Roland, what was the whole point of Candace Owens being the only black person there testifying on this issue? This 44-second soundbite and the end will really explain it. Issues that they are responsible. Number one, father absence. Number two, the education system and the illiteracy rate. Illegal immigration ranks high, abortion ranks high, white supremacy and white nationalism, if I had to make a list again of 100 things, would not be on it. This hearing, in my opinion, is a farce. And it is ironic that you're sitting here and you're having three Caucasian people testify and tell you what their expertise are. Do I know what my expertise are? black in America. I've been black in America my whole life, all 30 years, and I can tell you that you guys have done the exact same thing every four years ahead of an election cycle, and it needs to stop. Uh, Don't stay you, with Madam. it. Now we go to uh, Mr. Clay for five. No, go back. That right there explains why the Republicans wanted Candace Owens to testify because the Republicans on this committee don't want to deal with white nationalism or white supremacy. What they desired is to have a black woman who loves Trump to come to the hearing to bring up problems in black America to negate white supremacy, to negate white nationalism, and that's why he has that look that was captured on his face. You need to understand game recognizes game. Now, earlier we had Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton, a member of this committee. 
Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, and others on the Democratic side, members of this committee. If you want to understand what really happened, okay, this happened before that took place. Jim Jordan came in late. They were upset because the members of Congress were actually ignoring clueless Candace. They were asking more questions of the actual experts. Here is Jim Jordan. I did walk in a few minutes ago, and Mr. Meadows and I were visiting in the, in the back room and noticed that Ms. Owens, you hadn't spoke for a while, so if there's something you'd like to add to the discussion uh, over the last few minutes, I'd be happy to uh, yield uh, uh, my, my four minutes to you and let you, uh, let you comment. But thank you again for your outstanding testimony for being here as our witness today. Come back. Thank you for that. I... See, I don't need to play any more of Candace Owens. What did he just say? Mark Meadows and I got together in the back room, and we were like, damn, ain't nobody asking her no questions. When is the last time y'all saw a member of Congress give their entire time to a witness? They get five minutes each, gave his time to her. Meadows gave his time to her. Y'all need to understand the game here. But I'm going to go back and play something for you. This is what Clueless Candace said as to what she thinks are the most important issues that impact black people. Number one, father absence. Number two, the education system and the illiteracy rate. Illegal immigration ranks high. Abortion ranks high. White supremacy and white nationalism, if I had to make a list again of 100 things, would not be on it. This hearing, in my opinion, is a farce. So here's the real issue here. The real issue is that this House hearing on white nationalism and white supremacy was really only limited to the issue of terror. Because if you wanted a real discussion about white supremacy, then the very issue that Candace wants to bring up, white supremacy plays a role in that. Just the other day, just the other day, the University of Texas, a story was done by The Atlantic where they discovered in the archives of the University of Texas that they, by design, implemented standardized tests in the 1950s in order to keep black people out of the University of Texas. The president of the University of Texas literally said in a speech in Houston, the use of standardized tests was a way to keep the niggers out of the university. So, when a Candace Owens wants to talk about education and illiteracy, Oh, we can have that conversation within the framework of white supremacy. They don't want to do that. If you want to talk about fathers not being in the home, I am more than happy in the year of the 400th anniversary of the first 29 Africans arriving on these shores to talk about the role that America, white supremacy, played in cutting babies out of the wombs of black mamas. If you want to talk about abortion, Candace, we can talk about America's abortion. If you want to talk about this whole issue of black fathers not being there, we can also bring up the studies that show that black men actually spend more time with their children than other races. If you want to talk about the issue of white supremacy on the impact of federal policy that gave more money to mothers who were in homes without fathers, 
because the policy then was that you only had one person bring in income and not the other, we can be more than willing to have that conversation. But see, that's a different level of white supremacy because I don't think you really want to talk about that. She also mentioned, y'all, white supremacy and black-on-black crime. You want to talk about white supremacy and black-on-black crime? Sure. We can show you impacted areas in Chicago based upon federal housing guidelines that limited where black folks can live, where they could actually buy homes. And so all of a sudden you had in Chicago, west side of Chicago, south side of Chicago, black folks packed into areas. Same thing in Detroit and Houston and other places around the country. See, all those things were a result of white supremacy. And so if we want to have the real white supremacy conversation, you're right. It didn't happen on today's panel, but you also were not there, clueless Candace, to have that conversation. The reason I need y'all to understand this is because some of y'all might be saying, well, why are you giving her so much attention? Because I need to explain to y'all what the game is. And here is the game. The game is for white Republicans to put up a black face to attack and trash Democrats including black Democrats, and then to say, oh, but the conservative agenda is really what's great for black people. So what happens is that shit-eating grin Jim Jordan had is because that's what it's all about. It's all about, hmm, I need you to use the right talking points that's going to push them back. Remember the point where she said, oh, you, how dares it you have three white experts and I'm the only black person here? Because you're not an expert. And in fact, I really don't have a problem if there are three white people there who are experts on white supremacy because the operative word in white supremacy is white. So to have three white folks talk about white supremacy, I ain't got a problem with because they're also white. Y'all, Republicans don't really want to talk about this stuff. What they want to do is offer a game of mirrors. This is a house of cards. And so what they have done is take a black woman who they, oh my goodness, she's articulate, she's cute, she can speak to the issues, somebody hears her, oh my goodness, white conservatives go, she's so smart, I mean, look at her, she's feisty, she's giving it to them. But they really don't want to break these things down. Why is that? Because they prefer the show. Candace Owens only wants a show which is why she wants to debate John Legend and debate Don Cheadle and debate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and debate Ilhan Omar. That's what she wants. She wants the attention. And that's what they actually gave her. Republicans did not want this to actually be a discussion on white supremacy and white nationalism and the impact. They don't want to have a discussion about Dylan Roof or the guy who went to the synagogue in Pittsburgh. They don't want to have a conversation about the white guy in El Paso. No. They would rather have a black woman who's not an expert, who's a college dropout, who loves to trash the NAACP, and then who, of course, got a $35,000 settlement from the Stanford, Connecticut School Board of Education because of insults that were hurled at her, which the NAACP actually helped her get. Mmm, it's amazing how that happens. But again, if you want to understand game, I'm going to play this last soundbite for you, and it really is, for me, the most laughable of the day. This, folks, is a soundbite of a Republican in Congress, Congressman Keller, literally asking Candace Owens, what can I say to black people? I'll be speaking at the NAACP annual state convention in Louisiana one week from tomorrow. 
could be argued that I'm a quite unlikely keynote speaker at gathering. But I shall deliver a candid and unscripted message from my heart and from bended knee as an American that recognizes that our nation has suffered a failure of spirit, that our nation is on a journey. I would ask you, Madam, in my remaining time, what message would you hope to hear me deliver to my brothers and sisters in Louisiana one week from tomorrow, an address which, which I believe should be reflective of our effort as a nation to bridge the divides that falsely separate us, to embrace the fact that we're created in God's own image. What message would you have me share, good lady? And I shall listen. Um, that's a beautiful question. I would say, uh, if I was in that, in that audience, what I would want to hear is just a message of hope. I think that what's been taken away from black America is our sense of pride. Um, we've allowed rhetoric and policies uh, to tether us to the government. And I love that you opened your statement talking about God and the family, because those are the things that we used to value first and foremost in the black American community. Um, and, and as government grew in the 1960s, all of that was pretty much taken away from us. I would, I would remind them to consider who... I'm done. How about this, Congressman Keller? When you go before the NAACP, I would love for you to explain to them in Louisiana why is it that your party supports voter suppression? I would love for you to explain to the NAACP why the Trump administration is rolling back civil rights in various departments uh, in this nation. I would love for you to explain why the Republican Party chooses to be uh, the prostitute of the NRA and not do anything about gun control. I would love for you to speak to the issue of economics and why is it that the Republican Party uh, and Donald Trump is trying to get rid of the National Minority Supplier Development Council which has been around for 50 years, which is the only federal agency that deals with how to grow businesses among minorities. I would love for you to talk about those issues. I noticed Candace didn't bring those issues up. Why? Because those are things Republicans are doing. Folks, you need to realize that the purpose of a Candace Owens is to give cover to white conservatives who have been wanting to say these things about black people for a very long time. That's the game. In fact, I was just, I just saw a, uh, a, um, a tweet from a person who's a white conservative out of Texas, uh, and then pulled up Taylor Ham, covers sports for Texas A&M, and they have a soundbite here where he goes, I think this qualifies as a mic drop, where she ripped into this person here who's on the panel. What I need y'all to understand is that is the game. It is about a money game. And I will tell you this again. In our community, we've always had black Republicans. They've always existed. Four and five and generations of black Republicans. I have known Alfonso Jackson, former Secretary of HUD, Mike Williams, who prosecuted white supremacists when he was in the Department of Justice. No folks like Michael Steele. I've named so many others. But there's a reason why they will not bring them to the fore. Because these are black people who actually work with black people. Candace does it. She wants a celebrity. And so when she's on the stage with T.I., on the stage with Killer Mike, it's exactly what she wants. Because it's about entertainment. It's the show. It's about securing the bag. There are black Republicans out there who actually care about black people. 
and we have a difference of opinion when it comes to political party. We might have a difference of opinion when it comes to what policies. But what I can say is I have respect for them because they actually care. And even if we disagree on certain issues, we agree on others. Game recognizes game. So today really wasn't about Candace. It was really about the embarrassment of the Republican Party unwilling to deal with the issue like white supremacy and white nationalism. Pam, what are your thoughts? You know, I, from my perspective, uh, if the idea is to address white supremacy, then that's what we should be talking about. We should not be talking about these talking points. I, that, that has nothing to do with the issue. And I think, you know, part of the contradiction for me here is, as Republicans, we always say we don't like, we don't put people forward because they're black. But in this case, that is exactly what we did. And so she comes to the floor and she says, I am here as a black woman. That's my expertise. Yeah. Did the white people say I'm here as white people? No. I mean, so that's, we, we cannot continue to operate in this contradictory world. And, and, and we're looking at 2020, and you called it correctly, we're looking at a black man strategy for 2020. You called that. That's what we're looking for, but we have to be able to say to black men, okay, here's what's in it for you. And this hearing, in, 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 in my view, and I understand folks are going to criticize me for saying this, and that's fine, but I, th the issue was white supremacy, and that's the discussion we should have been having, not the other talking points. You have those talking points wherever you have them. Not in this context. And Amisha, if I had wanted to edit it, that's all she kept coming back to. The, it, was, it was like Groundhog Day. It, <laughs> I thought I would listen to a record that was on repeat. It was like, nope, black and black violence, fathers in a home, abortion, legal immigration, and how it's impacting black men. Erp, repeat. Exactly. Because that was the, the game. She was there. That was, she was there was the to reason. play these things back on loop over and over again. And, and attack Democrats. And attack Democrats. And for conservatives, the big get for them was to finally have someone who is a black woman to do this. And a black woman who, on the outset, looks respectable. Somebody who's not a diamond in silk. Somebody who you can't actually put up there. Yes. And yes, we pointed who, to the fact that fully she has a sentences. formal education. However, yeah. she does present well. She presents their talking points well. Thing is, when you have somebody, a, a Congress member, ask... Candace Owens how to talk to the NAACP when Candace Owens herself has never sent and talked to the NAACP. Oh, no, 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 she did. Somebody no, no, no. She did, she did talk to the NAACP when they helped her get that $37,000 settlement, but now she got her money, and now, now she trashes now they're, the NAACP. They're, shady, they're people who are on the plantation. All these other things she says about the NAACP. Candace Owens is not respected and will never be respected amongst the black community. And that's not because she's a conservative. There are some conservatives, black conservatives, who are respected amongst black people. She is not one of them. So to push her up and to act like she's a spokesperson for all of us, and yes, I was born black, I've been black my whole life too, that does not mean that you are someone who needs to act like you present for the entire black community. It's upsetting to see Candace Owens, who, as you said um, very eloquently, is basically um, she's out here for a money grab. That is what this is. Candace Owens will shuck and jive and say whatever she has to to keep the checks flowing. The thing for me, Michael, that's most offensive, and again, she wants the attention on her, but the reason I did the deconstruction, because it really was on the GOP. 
It really was a what their strategy was. And I love the fact that the camera caught, uh, sure. the camera caught uh, Jim Jordan. Folks, y'all can pull it up right here. <laughs> this is it right here. That, when she finished that 35-second deal, that's all, that right there says, this, you just did exactly why we wanted you here in 30 to 40 seconds. And that smile <clears throat> resembles the same smiles that white men like him used to smile at Uncle Tom's. They were like, see, look at this is how they should be. I see, here's the deal. I, I don't use sell out Uncle Tom's, no. all those phrases. Candace even tried to suggest to me that I, that, I, that she blocked me because I called her a sell out in Uncle Tom and Oreo, which is a lie. I don't use those terms. But the problem here, go back to it. Because, see, here's what that smile also says, is we changed the voting laws in Ohio. We changed the laws in Ohio that created voter suppression. What that <laughs> smile also says is that there's a reason we won by, by 450,000 votes with Trump in 2016, because we limited voting locations in the last days to only one, early, one voting location in each one of the counties. What that smile also says is that we're not serious about all these other different issues out here, but as long as we got a black face, and yes, a black woman who hates the Republican Party more than anybody else, who can come in and say these things, we have cover, and that's what it is. That's the game, and Jim Jordan knew it. And that's why he admitted him and Mark Meadows got together in the back room and said, she's not giving enough time. Y'all, it was a nearly three-hour session, uh, Michael. And if y'all scrub through the three-hour session, she barely said anything because the people in the room knew she wasn't no real expert. And it's like, why am I going to ask her a question when she can't give me no damn information? It's sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm a white nationalism, white supremacy expert because I'm black and I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> That's pretty much what you got here. Does she have, will she have this kind of um, visibility after uh, 45 loses next year? Oh, yeah. They still let, Here's why. Still Here's why. Because, again, and Chris, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but being a black conservative, you know this game. Mm -hmm. What they like to find is a black conservative who can say these wild, outlandish things about Democrats and about black people, use their plantation language, throw all those th different things out. And what they find, what they now have is, ooh, somebody who's very articulate, somebody who, look how she dresses, look how she looks. And all you got to do is go into, if you go into one of the C-SPAN clips and look at all the comments underneath, that's right, you killed it, way to go. <laughs> oh, rough for vice president because serving a purpose. And I know and you know, and they try to get other black conservatives to do the minstrel show, and they've said no. No. And that that's, you know, that's the reality. I mean, you know, a, and, and, and that, that's the thing. It's part of the reason that Chairman Steele, um, who it, it, it has been ostracized, and Chairman Steele, and I, I always remind the party... If the first African-American African -American chairman Republican National Committee completely ostracized by the party because he would not play step and fetch it. Well, and, and, and if it was not for Chairman Steele, we would not have won back the House at that time. And so, you know, I think we have to, if, if we're going to move forward with um, a strategy of engaging uh, black voters, it has to be a genuine strategy. Um, and and that, that's a concern.
So, folks, this is real simple. If y'all want to listen to her, that's great. Y'all want to follow her, that's great. There's a reason why she will not come debate me because, see, we can unpack these things right here. When you have a panel of real experts and the only person, and she's like, oh, I'm here, I'm speaking as a black person. All right, that means the brother out there who I ran into on the street who's homeless, he, what the hell? But bring him on the panel because, hey, he black. He can discuss white nationalism and white supremacy. They don't want there to be real conversations. And this is why I keep telling y'all, don't get caught up in the okey-doke. Don't say, let's go to these forums, we can, and people are jumping up and getting all mad, because that's what they want. And I also say to black conservatives who are real, step up, get out of the shadows, be willing to call out your own party and say, why won't you listen to us, those of us who truly care about policy? There are some who do. They come on this show. They have no problem discussing these issues. But then you have the people who love to play the dance. This deconstruction is over. <laughs> Y'all want to support Rollmart Unfiltered? Go to rollmartunfiltered.com. Join our Brina Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. This is why we do what we do. Hey, folks, tomorrow, uh, if you're in Fort Knox, Kentucky, I'll be speaking to the NAACP Freedom Fund dinner there. Looking forward to that. And so I'll see you guys there signing books as well. And, of course, we do what we do. I uh, want to thank Michael. want to thank Amisha. want to thank Chris. want to thank Mustafa for being on the show. Congresswoman Eldon Holmes Norton. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, I shall see you guys next week. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side -side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.